today's proverb, Caroline. See, she's the reason for the word bitch. I hope she's speeding on the on the way to the club, trying to hurry up and get to a ball or a single or somebody like that and try to put on the makeup in the mirror and crash, crash, crash into a ditch. And you, dear listeners, can crash into this episode of Gay Side Stories with Trillificent, all LGBTQA all the time. GaySideStories.com is the hub for more information, all things GSS. You can interact. Well, I can do worse today, I promise. You can interact with me on social media. I'm Gay Side Stories on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also email me at GaySideStories at gmail.com. And last but not least, subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, on iTunes, Google Play Music, pretty much everywhere you guys listen to podcasts, you can listen to this one right here. Please take a little time out of your day to also rate and review on whatever application that you use. iTunes is, you know, the most visible. So if you have a moment, go over there and do that. And make sure that you are sharing this podcast with others. Help me grow this monster. So this week, you guys, I have a very, very, very special guest, my my fairy podcast godmother, Mel, a.k.a. Beauty Jackson. Hey! I feel so special. Oh, you should. You are special. I love when people realize that I'm a fairy. It, it makes my day. I mean, and isn't that what it's all about? It no. really is. It's walking in your truth, you know? Indeed. Or if you got wings, you know, it's flapping in it. Whatever floats your boat and finds your lost remote. <laughs> so let's move on to this school and life segment. So this week I have three school and life for you uh, lovely listeners. The first is you guys, this is the 26th episode that mean, and it's not including the bonus episode that I did. So that means that gay side stories is officially six months old. I want to say thank you to all of the new and all of the old listeners. A huge thank you to all of my podcast peers that support me and inspire me every week. Um, and also an even bigger thank you to all of my friend, my, my friends, my friends. I'm so used to saying friends. I'm saying friends trash. But yeah, thank you to all of my friends for supporting me and putting up with me talking about this show. I've been doing this shit since December. And really, this is one of the few things that I have done consistently for this amount of time. So, you know, other than, you know, like be alive and, you know, go to work and stuff like that. So kudos to me. Thank you, everyone, for rocking with me. And here's to another six months of all LGBTQ a all the time. Absolutely. And congratulations. It's crazy how that time flies. Isn't it? I, I didn't even realize it until I, when I was putting the show notes together and I was like 26 and then I looked at the calendar and I was like, are you sure? And the calendar was like, girl, I don't lie. And I was like, you sure right. So my second school in life is uh, mental health days. So last Monday I took the day off um, because sometimes you need a day to get your thoughts together. And sometimes mental health days are as much for your coworkers benefits as they are for yours. Mm. Um, you need that day sometimes so that people don't get their neck snapped at work. Mm. And I didn't do anything special, but like eat unhealthy food and watch TV and movies. And my favorite thing, sleep. And it was glorious. And when I went to work Tuesday, I was not as wound 
I wasn't wound as tightly as I usually am. Um, and I got through it. So if you guys are able, I encourage you to take a mental health day every now and then because it it does wonder. Sometimes the weekend is just not enough. And my last school in life is Game of Thrones. So um, Nikki, Texas Hummingbird, who you guys heard a few episodes ago, she convinced me to start watching Game of Thrones. Now, I don't need any shade or any uh, judgment about me just not getting into the show. And I believe it's ending this season. You know, judge next a knuckle next season. Next season is the last season. So season eight is the last season. Mm-hmm. Okay. Either way, don't judge me. Judge your, your knuckle dragon grandma. Mm-hmm. So I have been enjoying it. I don't think, I think I just put it out of my mind. Like when people would talk about it, because I'm of the mindset that if I don't care about something, then I don't really see it. So I, I was cognizant of people talking about game of Thrones and it being a thing, but I just never got into it. Um, and I didn't have HBO and I didn't have, I didn't have time to be trying to find it. So anyway, because insecure was getting ready to come back, I was like, well, let me go ahead and see what this, this HBO free trial is popping. Started watching game of Thrones. And of course I love it. I have some concerns. Uh, I'm on season three. I think I'm about halfway through season three. And as Mel and I were talking about before we started recording, I was watching an episode and two of the characters were in the bath and then it hit me. I was like, Hmm, there is not enough bathing on this show for the amount of fucking that y'all do. I feel like that's the first bath that we saw. Maybe one other one. There may have been like one other bath up to that point. And I mean, they, those two particular, they needed it, but it just made me think that, Y'all are out here like just y'all are putting dick in your mouth and y'all, you know, licking the cootie cat and no warm rags to be, are to be had. No warm water. I don't know what y'all use as an actual cleansing agent back mm-hmm. in those times, but goose grease, <laughs> goose grease. whatever it is. I'm just like, the, as you said, there's way more fucking than there is bathing. And I just have a concern. And I'm also, I'm, you know, it's just a lot going on. There are a lot of characters. There are a lot of, there are a lot of characters. Um, I'm just now really being able to put name to face. Some of them I still don't know. Some of them I don't want to learn what your name is because I'm hoping that you die. Um, but I'm enjoying it. You know, it's it's very interesting. Right now I'm still, uh, I'm still Team Khaleesi because the rest of y'all don't know what the fuck y'all doing. And the Lannisters, I can't rock with y'all because gross. But they're so it's they're so wonderfully evil. I appreciate the evil, but the incest takes me down. I just I cannot. I cannot. And like we're seven seasons in, and like I'm so I'm so used to it. I'm like, that's just what they're doing. I mean, you know, sometimes you gotta fuck your relative. I don't know. No, I'm not okay with fucking your relatives. I'm really not. But I, I have suspended the disbelief for this show. It's just kind of well, maybe well, I haven't. I haven't gotten there yet. And and I mean, I'm not like shipping them. Like, oh, I hope they're together. It's just like you know, like the aunt and uncle that are really not supposed to be together, but you know they're not breaking up. Right. They're that to me um, when I watch the show. All I know is I was taken aback 
when uh what's his name when jamie lannister was like oh yeah and cersei's the only woman i've ever been with and i said bitch what that is your sister yeah you've never yeah. even dipped in anything else but didn't even give him a try didn't even give him a try you're at all you're at the, you're at the ball all these girls are dancing around you and i mean we see jamie he's fine i was about to say he's fine and he's a lannister you don't even have to try you don't even have to do anything and he's like, uh, he's like I, no, went to the, that, I just went to the family reunion. I'm good. No thanks. He's just like, you know, mm, that seriously nookie just, that brain won't let up. And I'm, <sighs> I just have so many concerns. And then when I realized that those children were products of incest, I actually had to pause it. <laughs> um, <laughs> All of them. Oh, and that was what really took me down because when when oh what's his name what's the uh what's the Stark dad's it's Ned Stark yeah when he was reading that book and he was like black hair black I said oh you filthy nasty bitches oh <laughs> oh and then to have to look at Joffrey's ugly ass and know what he came from and then he's a bitch on top of that I and can't stand it oh oh bitch oh. My goodness, he is a whole bitch. The 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 most fascinating part of that show is um how awful people live and, and seemingly good people that like that nobody is safe. Nope. Nobody on this show is safe. Nope. Listen, because when, when Jamie got his hand cut off, I said, Oh I, I slid off the couch. Bruh. Because it was so nonchalant. He was like, eh, no, I'll take this. Boosh. I was like, fuck. And then he only had one hand. And then he was dirty. He ain't had no bath. I don't even know if he was eating. Yeah, he I, was falling in the in the mud. And oh, I like, thought that was shit. That was that was a shitty mud. Because they're good for they they had a, yeah because what they had him it was probably shit and he was drinking horse pee. It was just bad. It was just all bad. Was that actually horse pee? I thought that they just said that to fuck with him because I'm just I'm I, thinking I'm thinking to myself and I'm just like self and myself said what's up and i said now wouldn't you know that that was not water that you were drinking and then myself said well in his defense he is fucked up like his hand is hanging from his neck yeah <laughs> so he might not have you know and again i'm of the mindset that their taste buds are not what ours are you know i'm gonna rock with that because that's really what's helping me get through because gross anyway I say all that to say I'm enjoying Game of Thrones. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter under my Trillificent account, you can see, you know, some of the commentary that I am putting out there for the Twitterverse. And Mel, do you have a school in life for this past week? Hmm. What's my school in life for this past week? Here is my school in life for this past week. There will be times where people are going to pull, try and pull you out of yourself. Uh, will try their damnedest to pull you out of yourself and 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 make you react on some shit. And it's so gratifying to not do it. Just don't do it. Hello. Enjoy your life. Stay in your lane, and let people deal with their own bullshit on their own. 
That's my school in life. Drink your water and mind your business. Drink your water and mind your business. Let me tell you something. My life has changed. And with, like th- this week we've been doing, um, cause we started the five for five fit challenge. Mm-hmm. Shout out to y'all. Which, yes. And, um, so that's been, um, that's been kind of how drinking water and minding my business has been and encouraging, encouraging the people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. pretty much been the entire, the entirety of, of my week. And I would encourage everybody to do the same. Find that thing that you can focus on that keeps you out of the bullshit and hold on to it with both arms and both legs. Maybe that thing is a man. I don't know. Or hey, a woman. I mean, do it. But I would it, just say, if it's a man or a woman, make sure that they got a warm rag. Please make sure, and and and, and they're bathing. Please make sure they're 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 not doing the uh, the school in life the, the school in life the uh, Game of Thrones school of hygiene. Yeah. I don't like that. And, and make like sure that. they're not doing you know. And I don't the want to usher up. either. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> what I never got, what I never quite got. On that, because I, again, I was definitely drinking water and minding my business on that one this week. So what I did not, what I did not understand with him was, was he not disclosing? I think that's what it was. It's hard to tell, and I know I saw something about there's like a new ten million dollar lawsuit. I believe it's because of that. Um, because and I'm not, I'm not of the everybody got herpes because everybody does not like don't everybody everybody does not, certainly does not have herpes. Not like everybody does not have herpes. That being said, if you do have it, it is you know communicable. You cannot get rid of it, and if you have something that you can't get rid of, you are morally required to disclose. So it's yeah. one thing to have something, maybe even legally. Yeah. Yeah, I think some places it is legally uh, required that you disclose. Um, it's one thing to have something because shit happens in life. Yes. It's an entirely different kettle of fish when you have something knowingly you put someone else at risk. That's not dope. And nope. um, if that's what he did, that's ridiculous. He should know better. Right. So um, you mentioned the uh, five four five fit. And I realized that we breezed through everything and we did not talk about where people might know you from. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the good and terrible show? That's true. Okay. So you might occasionally know me from your headphones, hear me in your ear. Um, because I have, I'm one half of the good and terrible show. It's a Weekly podcast that I do with the wonderful, beautiful, awesome, hilarious. I'm just Siege. Hi, Siege. Hey, girl. Hey, boo. And, uh, I miss you, girl. <laughs> she's um, she's enjoying some time with family this weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, so what's uh, and and we're three years in the game. We and and I say that with a caveat because um, our first year we were humping. We were going strong. Twice a week, every week, half a week. Hey, you know, we had it. And then, then, like, our second year, it petered off a little bit. And then our third year, we took a very extended break that almost lasted a year. Um, We had a lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, okay. And and we were still working on other projects and working on ourselves um, and could not dedicate the time that Good and Terrible Show deserved. And, but we never closed it out. We never said, you know, well, this is the end. And, and so 
you know, very recently, we were like, I think we need to run this bitch back. We were both, you know, we need to play the track, bitch. Yeah. And so uh, in in late June, right before our third anniversary, because we started on July 1st, 2014, right before our third anniversary, we uh, relaunched. And we relaunched and we reformatted. And what we wanted to do was um, give the people something a little different. Just offer something different. We went. We didn't want to come back um, and give the same thing that we kind of gotten burnt got burned out on. And right. so, three years in the game, we've been doing that. We're doing a. Um, we're going on a cruise next year. We started the Five for Five Fit Challenge. We've also introduced a blogging segment of the Good and Terrible Show on which I am delinquent this week and Siege is going to strangle me. <laughs> um, but we are because we wanted to offer you guys not just our words in, in, in the earphones, but also, um, you know, hitting you up on the printed page because we're both, we both enjoy writing. We both enjoy creating and have more to say than just gets covered in an hour's worth of show because we did cut down our show length. So... You know me from there. You probably may or may not know me from Twitter. Um, I, I pop around. I move around there a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, she's only out here tweeting with, you know, juggernauts out here like J.K. Rowling. And, <laughs> you know, no big deal. No biggie. It's a very, I never know who's going to pop up in my mentions on the most random, you know, on the most random things. And yes, J.K., J.K. Rowling is one of those people, and I could not be happier because <laughs> she's someone I admire. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that um, the type of women that I admire, I engage with them. I, you know, they engage or they engage with me because I can engage anybody, and and you know, they might not be interested or they're just being polite. But the fact that women I admire kind of, you know, engage me like what I'm doing, talk to me, that means a lot. And and I, and I don't just mean that from a standpoint of people who are famous and well known, which is very very dope. Do not get me wrong on that. <laughs> but but women who are not necessarily famous, but who I see and who I appreciate, um, you know, the type of people that I don't want to say the type of people I want to be associated with because I don't think that's one type of person. But when I look at people who I admire and want to have quality similar to them when those type of people like what I'm doing, it kind of affirms where I'm going um, as a human, as a writer. So, so yeah, so I'm kind of out here trying to live my best life, give y'all a little peek of, of what's going on out here. <laughs> She's out in these streets, y'all fuck with a heavy streets. I'm actually, um, I am going to, I'm actually going to be making an announcement. I think I could officially make the announcement this week coming. So um, stay on the lookout for that. I'll give you the heads up when I can really talk about it because I'm going to be doing something like live and in person out here in Pittsburgh. Um, It won't necessarily be my thing, but I have a few projects that that I'm working on. I'm working on some writing. So you'll be like, I'll be... Out here in several forms, and then there's also my um my Hurricane Katrina project that is a labor of love because I'm literally doing everything myself, so it's mm-hmm. taking a little longer than I would like it to take. And then I'm just you know I'm a human, right? So there's times where I just have to take take a break for the sake of my own sanity. And um, but I'm I'm out here, heavy, 
heavy. Three years in a game, so you guys can see why I call her my podcast fairy godmother. It's so funny that people come to me for advice about podcasting now. And I'm like, well, I have been doing this, and I do have my toes in a... Yeah, you out here. You've been out here. And I appreciate it. Like, I was talking about podcasting, I think it was on Friday. And I was literally talking about it, because people like to, you know, make make sideways comments about, hey, everybody has a this, everybody was like, everybody has a podcast. Okay, so what? Right. Everybody has a podcast, and so... Nobody's <laughs> forcing you to listen to everybody's podcast, so what are you mad about? And there are, you know... And they were like, there are more podcasts and there are eyes looking at it. No, I that's saw that tweet and I was not like... Mm. Not only is it not accurate, I'm glad when I can help people to um, to to further their interest. If they, you know, if it's, it's podcasting is really one of those things where if you try it and you do well, fantastic. And if you don't do well, you haven't lost a lot. So, right. so it's something like it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's a harmless pursuit that can either net you eh, not so much or it can be amazing. So when people, so after I, I talked about it, somebody like showed me a screen cap and they ordered their equipment. And I thought that was amazing Listen. because I was just, you, I, you never know how you're going to reach someone. And like when I talk about wanting to be a certain type of person, that's the person I want to be. Yeah, I'm funny. Yeah, I could be quick with the words and cut cut a motherfucker off at the knees. <laughs> I would much rather people know me for, you know, saying something encouraging. It was like, you know what? Mel said I could do this and I'm going to try that. Right. That, that's who I want to be. So hopefully you know me more for that than that other thing that I could do. <laughs> I mean, but shout out to you. You know, you never know who you are inspiring no. when you uh talk about these things and when you just decide to pursue your own interest mm-hmm. and to people you know that are all those everybody got a podcast type people and it's like you know everybody is not meant to do everything and you need to sit down and have a conversation with yourself about what it is that you want to do that you are not doing yeah because getting on the internet and being mad about people having a podcast and you don't know the people you are never going to listen to it in the first place. That doesn't make any sense. You look like a hater. You look like you don't drink your water and you damn sure not minding your business. What is, what's it to you? What's it to you? How is it hurting you? Like it's somebody like, okay, if you're, if you're, if you're spewing hate and all that, okay, we can talk about that. We can talk about that and talk about how that's like, no, we don't need more of that. We actually need significantly less of that. But that's not like when that conversation pops up, it's rarely, if ever, that it's just that these people are trying something. Right. And what right. is, how's it bothering you? If it weren't for podcasting, I would not have the support for half the projects that I'm doing right now. So, right. I mean, even in a little bit of time that I've been doing it, like the the connections that I've been forging with people that I didn't even know existed, didn't know their shows existed, didn't know how dope the stuff that they're doing is until I started doing this and we just somehow found each other so say all that to say again mind your business so let's move on to the next segment the come quick segment this shouldn't be too long um again you guys know that i don't do too much uh pop culture current events i like to listen to those just like y'all so we're gonna talk about some different stuff so uh 
the last couple of episodes, you guys, uh, I've been doing my my Twitter poll thing. I don't know where this is coming from, but uh, you know, if I feel if it, if it moves me, I'm going to continue to do it. So I have two polls that I did this past week. The first poll was it's a gay for pay poll, and the question was, do you think gay for pay is a real thing? Now, this was inspired because I watched a documentary that was called Gay for Pay. I'm a porn star. And uh, the results. Yes. Seventy seven percent. And no. Twenty three percent. I don't remember how many people took the poll. Um, It doesn't matter. So uh, what are your thoughts on this, Mel, before I get into mine? What do you think about gay for pay, quote unquote? The more, the more, <laughs> I think the more we live, the more we realize that sexuality is fluid. Because um, gay for pay, that's typically like more of like the, like sex work, right? Right. Um, I think work is work <laughs> and <laughs> work is work. And so if this is something, I do feel like there are people who are, I feel like, yeah, it it can be a thing. I I definitely think that there are folks who are gay when the dollar figure is right or participate in gay acts. I I think I don't know necessarily that you are gay because I'm of the sexuality is fluid school where, you know, some people are some people are like, look at eh, how am I trying to put this? Because I'm trying not I'm trying to be very honest in what I'm saying and put it in a way that my words will not get misconstrued. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, some people do what they have to do for their circumstances. You know, this is true. And, and if they're not, so they may not in their personal life be attracted to men, date men, or cause I'm, I'm guessing we're typically talking about men. Right. Um, so that, you know, that may be the thing. But I also think that if we had a more fluid view of sexuality when it came to men, because we're women are afforded just a, a, a gulf oh, yes. <laughs> of room when it comes to our fluidity. Oh, yes. Women have this very stringent, you're either gay or you're straight. And someone, I wish I could find that because I, I would, I would love to uh, cite this this tweeter um, appropriately. But they were saying how men, when it, when you think about bisexuality, bisexual men are viewed as actually gay. Mm-hmm. Women are viewed as actually straight, and it's all centered on uh, cis men believing that they are the desired product. And so <laughs> that's also that's that's very much part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how how we kind of circulate what's gay, what's straight, whatever around this very stringent view of masculinity um, and sexuality, and it's a very male, straight male centric view. Yep. So while I believe that there are people who do who will participate in gay acts for a dollar figure, I also believe that most, if not all, of us have a little bit of gay in us anyway. So. You know, eh, eh. I feel like my answer is a non-answer, but that's the answer. <laughs> I, I mean, it is. It's a little tricky, so I, I get it. Um, yeah, I think it's a thing, but I don't. I, I think it's a thing for a different reason. I don't think that. I think that you can be gay for pay, and you don't. You know, you don't have those 
you don't necessarily have sexual desires, but you're not turned off by gay sex either. Otherwise, you know, so right. so there's got to be like a little scooch of gay in there, right? Well, little peach. Well, uh, yes. A dash so of gay. I've given it. I don't think I've really ever given it a lot of thought because a, a lot of times, especially with gay porn and and I, maybe with straight porn too or whatever, you know, whatever kind of porn you're into. But with gay porn, a lot of it is imagery. And they have things where they will say, okay, this, you know, here's Thug Hunter. And they just throw some black dudes with some do-rags. And it's like, okay, but I've seen him in numerous productions getting pounded. Like, this ain't no thug. Like, we know this guy. You know what I mean? And it's all about the illusion. So sometimes with the gay for pay thing, that is a factor. Because for whatever reason, that straight persona is still highly desired within the community or at least within, you know, people who watch porn. So... I was go ahead. Straight men suck so bad. They really do. I don't know what the I don't know what the draw is. Um, (laughs) Like like them in their lane, but like as a general rule, Jesus Christ. For the most part, they're not. They're they're not great. Um, but I can see it. You know, I was watching it now. Mind you, the the documentary was exclusively white. Um, so you know that always. Uh, you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt with the white, but I can see men adopting a mindset that it's like, okay, it feels good. So I can do it. It's no big deal. However, after seeing the interviews, I think that a lot of the so-called gay for pairs are not really at the point where they can be truthful about their sexuality. Okay. Um, Cause some of them, when they asked, certain questions they were so flabbergasted it was just kind of like like they would ask them you know are you gonna continue sleeping with men after your porn career is over and they looked they almost look offended that that question would be asked and some of them were kind of offended because it was like i already told you i don't like men and some of them were like oh i never really thought about stopping you know what i mean yeah so uh, I think that a lot of them are not at a point where they can be truthful, whether they're gay or not. I just think that, like you said, right now it's a job and it's something that I can do. And for the most part, it's something that I can enjoy. Now, there was one guy. And he was kind of he was, you know, I guess he was marginally attractive in the face. He was, you know, a solid, you know, kind of muscular guy. So I could see him being uh, popular, I guess. And he was just like, I don't enjoy sex with men at all. And I thought that that was curious because I'm just like, well, how are you able to do it? And maybe that's a new thing. Maybe there are men out there that, you know, have erections on demand and they can just get hard no matter what and get through it. But however, walk with me, friends. This man who says he does not enjoy gay sex, he does not enjoy men, he's not attracted to men, is bottoming in these movies. And as we have discussed on this very show, and if you are gay and have tried it, you know what I'm talking about. Bottoming is an experience. And it is not all a positive one. Or, uh, you know what, let me take that back because I'm being uh, I'm being exclusive. 
anyone, women or whatever you identify as, if you have tried sex in the butt, you know that it is a process and it is a journey. So if you don't enjoy it, and I guess the 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 argument could be made that I mean people go to jobs that they don't enjoy every day. However, I'm just when it's your body, yeah, that makes it a little bit. You know, I mean, not to take away from because I'm trying to draw some parallels and like, well, is it the same as a woman who's doing sex work? But the butt hurts. <laughs> I ain't built for it. I'm you gonna just put out there. I'm gonna put my personal business out there. The kid is not built for it. Bottoming is a commitment. It is a like, commitment. Because a- it's not just actually taking the phallus. There are dietary restrictions. Yeah. There are cleaning. There's preparation that you have. It is It is a lot of fucking work. I'm also very lazy. And pussy is press a forte. So I don't have to do anything with it. I'm just ready to go. So right. I was so- like, eh, I'm not a fan of it. And then I've got you know, other things I can do. So I'm good. I'm good on it. You know, it was just something about that one guy. It just I made me feel like something in the boy pussy wasn't clean. Um, mm. But, you know, that was that. So uh, the next poll that I did was about uh, sex and worth. So the question was, do you think that too many gay men feel like gay men's worth is limited to the success of their sex life? Uh, 55% said yes, 45% said no. And I thought that was very, very interesting because, and I'm just going to say this, it, I don't, I'm not making a blanket statement, but what I am saying is I have, I have made observations that a lot of times in the gay community, and I'm focusing on the gay community because this is where I reside And this is what I pay attention to. But a lot of times in the gay community, especially with men, they are much more inclined to be supportive or fans of or whatever the case may be of people that are attractive versus people that they find unattractive. And I think the same. And so and we already know how shallow the gay community can be. So I think it goes hand in hand where you feel like if you're attractive, then you have an active sex life. And that means you're you're worth more. I mean, for people who are some of the popular gay tweeters, you know what I mean? Like some of them are popular because they're funny, but some of them are popular because they talk about sex a lot. And you think, oh, you know, this pop, this person has a pop in sex life and then they may sprinkle in some news or whatever the case may be. Not news. I'm sorry. That's the wrong word. Uh, what's the word? Thirst traps. Mm and you feel like, okay, well, you know, this person, I, you know, I'm going to pay attention to what he's saying because I know he's out here, you know, getting broke off or breaking off or whatever the case may be, taking people to pound town, getting taken. And, but I just really, I don't know what made, I'm sure it was something that I saw on Instagram, but I thought it was just very curious that there are a lot of people, even though the polling was small, I mean, we can infer from that what we will, but a lot of people feel like, gay men feel this way that your worth is tied to your how active your sex life is or the kind of people that you're having sex with what do they look like etc etc well that's something that we can dive in later because that was just very interesting 
Um, the next thing in the come quick is we have a voicemail, we have a gay side voicemail. So if you want to call into the show and tell your gay side story or your tale from the Jack side, ask for advice or just to say, Hey, now you can. It's a U.S. based number. So for any international listeners I may have, keep that in mind. The number is plus one 832-821-8279. If you call in and leave a voicemail, I will feature the the story that you tell on the show. Try to keep it short, you guys. I don't know what the I need to double check and see what the length limit is, because I don't want you to leave this, you know, awesome story. That's like four minutes. And then Google Voice is like, no, girl. Uh, But I can't wait to hear from you guys. So make sure you call in that way. You don't you know, if you want to just you don't want to type out your whole story and email it. Now you can just call and leave it on the voicemail. Um, last thing in the come quick, and then we can move on to the main topic because we've been doing a lot of talking. Uh, I don't know what happened. I, I'm I'm confused on the details about what's going on with Young Thug and Pimp C's widow. I believe her name is Shanara Butler. But apparently, he said something on a verse on a Chance the Rapper song that she did not like. I don't want to talk about that. That's may get discussed on the podcast circuit this week what i want to talk about is my concern for her because i watched the video and i just had a lot of questions because the woman and this is no shade this is just observations her her eyebrows look like punctuation um and her cheeks were very jigsaw-ish. And I believe she had colored contacts in. And I just have questions. I just want to know if, she, if she's well. And I just have some concerns. Because her there were a lot of negatives going on. And I don't feel like she should be out here presenting that. Um... The eye, you know, I have a thing with eyebrows, and so the eyebrows really concern me because they look like bookends, and I, it was hard for me to really concentrate on what she was saying, because you move from the eyebrows, and then you know she has Tamika Harris eyes, and I was just like, oh girl, and then the cheeks, and I was like, does she, like, are you, are you, are you? Like what is happening? Like, do you have like tennis balls in your mouth? Like, what is going on? Like, the cheeks are just a lot was happening in that video. Those cheeks were beyond Jada Pinkett Smith status. To give you guys a point of reference, and I just have some concerns. That's all. I feel like Pimp C's widow, you know, should be out here flourishing. And with those eyebrows and that combination of things going on, I'm not sure if she's living her best life. I just wanted to win. I want her to win too, you know, and I don't feel like you can ever win if your eyebrows look like, you know, bookcases. I just, I don't think that's something that you can do. And I want that, I want better for her. So with that being said, you guys, that is the end of the come quick segment. I believe we both came. So let's move on to the main topic. So we can, no, I was going to say, so we can drag this dude, which we probably will end up dragging him. But so I saw this article on Huffington Post 
written by an author, a gay author, and his the name of it was Life After Death. Ten Reasons Why the 40s Are My Best Gay Decade Yet. Now, the reason I chose this is because, you know, I'm getting up there in age. I mean, I'm not old, but, you know, I, I you know, you're getting to, you know, in your early 30s is when you start really looking and really start planning and being like, what the fuck am I even doing on this planet? And, you know, I knew I wanted to do a show and have you on mail, so... I just kind of randomly picked this, but when I really read through it and I was like, okay, I know that you just celebrated your 40th birthday. So I thought that you would have some good insight. Now I'm granted this is supposed to be from a gay, uh, a gay lens. But as I think we both know, a lot of times things that we deem as gay is really just, it can apply to different facets of life. I mean, gay or gay or women who date men we're all dating the same straight men so whatever <laughs> that I'm like let's just let's just be honest and be real let's tell the truth on today <laughs> these straight men are out here they're out here and they are prospering on our backs yeah so you know it's, they it's, are it's, blowing it's, out your back if you're lucky and then they're prospering off of your back and we need we, we need to talk about these things because we all need to win Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into it. So the first thing was, I've never been more comfortable being alone. Now, I'm not going to read exactly what he wrote because why? Uh, but I have some bullet points. So basically, he was saying he's been single for about four years. It's the longest he's been single since he was 22. And I was like, okay, girl, I had to roll my eyes at that point because it was just like, what was what, what did I just say? earlier that or that poll earlier like we put a lot of our self-worth in whether or not we're in relationship and that's not just a gay thing that's a people thing yeah you know how, how long have we been in a relationship or how long have we not been in a relationship you know how long is our dry spell all that kind of stuff so i had to roll my eyes at that uh but he was saying he's more optimistic about love and and life Um, And he no longer feels like he's racing against the clock trying to, quote unquote, lock in love before a certain age. Now, when I read this, my first thought was that when he says I'm comfortable being alone, he was actually saying I'm comfortable being single. Yeah, because when he said alone, the first thing out of his mouth was I've been single for this long. And to me, alone can mean a lot of things like you can be I'm comfortable in being alone because a lot of my friends have kids and husbands and all this kind of stuff. And we don't get to spend as much time together, et cetera, et cetera. But you immediately went to whether or not you had a man or not. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I, I, like I said before, I think this is common for it's common for gay men to be single and okay with it once they reach their 40 once well, once they reach their 40s um i don't know if that's true or not i don't know if there's ever a point where people are just okay with being single or you could be like me and just be a non-practicing gay and choose to be single because why deal with the riffraff or you know whatever y'all call yourselves i know everybody feels like they're the cream of the crop but some of y'all are dead crops Oh my god! Um, but yeah, you have any thoughts about being comfortable being alone in your fortieth decade? Fortieth so, decade. Wow, what am I talking about? Your fourth decade. My, yeah, I can I do math. I promise you guys, I went to school <laughs> and I graduated. I am four hundred years old. <laughs> it's um, because I've been watching fucking Game of Thrones. 
Let me tell you something. When I wake up in the morning, I definitely feel 400. The first time, like, Can that first crack, it? when I have to crack my ankle, like, I judge my day by that. But, um... You know, when I, I wake up in the morning, it's more of a... Do I, like, am I really alive? Like, do I have to get yeah. up and do things? Like, why can't I just sleep? Anyway, not um, to interrupt you. So this is my, this is the, the the first time for me, actually, in a really long time that I have been completely uh, uncompanioned um, fairly recently. And... An adjustment. It was an adjustment. Um, but I'm not... I'm very comfortable. I'm comfortable enough with myself because I've always I've always liked me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I have a good time. I have a good... Um, I have a good friendship group, blah, blah, blah. So I always, prior to, you know, prior to now... I was younger. I was significantly younger. Like it had been, it's been a really long time since I have not been dating, seeing, you know, in a relationship with absolutely anyone. So when that time was here, I was much younger. So my knees were much stronger. <laughs> my liver was a lot stronger. <laughs> so I could go out. I could, you know, do this. I could do that. It's like, oh, let's go, you know, go, let's go to the park. Let's go to whatever. And now doing that as someone who's, 40, I don't have the same type of distractions. And so the the things that occupy my time are quieter, a lot of reading, like a lot of reading, a lot of um, kind of introspection because it's, you know, I've become more protective of, you know, what since I've had this time to myself and I realize how calming it is to not worry about if I, you know, got in contact with someone or not worry about if they got in contact with me and you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, the the bullshit that keeps you up at night when your relationship isn't where you want to be or whatever. Once I got to the once I got to enjoying the peace that came with that, I became more protective over my my generalized sanity. Mm-hmm. So how like my, my focus has been how when I invite someone in my life again, how do I keep at least a measure of this and and what things do I look for? to know that I'm not inviting someone who's going to bring chaos. So um, I'm a lot more introspective in a lot of ways, a lot more at peace. To say that I'm not fucking, I'm still a lot nicer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, because I mean, like, I'm one of those people like, oh, you can tell this bitch needs some dick. And uh, I'm not exactly there. I'm, I'm still, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I can still be sharp tongued when I want to, but that that's whether I'm in a relationship or not. And I'm um, I'm just I'm a lot I'm fine with wherever the wind blows. So if I'm not going to be with anyone for a significant period of time, that's cool. If I meet somebody, okay. I I don't think I care one way or another right now. I'm not close to it. At one point, I was completely close to it. Like, I'm done. Fuck that. That's it. And I'm not there. It me. It me. I'm not there. I've I've gotten past that because I think there are benefits to, there are parts of being in a relationship that I enjoy. You know, there are things of sharing a life with someone that I do enjoy. Um, So I'm not out of the game entirely, 
but I'm not really actively playing. I'm kind of like, I know where the park is in case I want to go. Right. You that kid that's like on the other side of the chain link fence with your hand. You just looking and you're like, I I could go play if I wanted to, but I'm good right here for the time being. I'm more like in the library next to the park. It's Uh, like, maybe I'll go over there. uh, Well, Uh, you know what? That's smart. There's AC in the library. Right. You know? All right. Uh, Okay. So the next thing was, he said, I still enjoy going out, but I'm even happier staying in. Now, first off, I'm not really sure how, how this applies, why this is a reason why your 40s were your best decade, but whatever. Um, but basically, I read through it and he was just like, you know, I'm washed, but I can get up and I can go out on a Friday or a Saturday if I wanted to. But he was very specific to say not both nights in the same weekend. Like, who the fuck yeah. do you think <laughs> I am? And I, I agree with that to a to a degree. Um, but basically my takeaway from that was don't be the old gay in the club looking like they're looking for teenage sons to snatch up and take home with them. Um, go to age appropriate spots. Uh, cause I, I mean, I'm, I guess if that's your jam and you want to go to the gay club and dance with people that are 20 years younger than you, I, I mean, no one can stop you, but I don't know. I I don't know. Good luck, everybody, I guess. Um, And there's nothing wrong with like going out to dinner or to a a bar at any age. Um, Some of the things that he's saying in the article are very specific, and I'm trying to be a little bit broader. Because a lot of times when someone's gay and they say go out, your immediate thought is, okay, they go into the gay club. They go into the to the bar where it's like drag night or something like that so i'm i'm saying that at any age you can go out to dinner or to a bar to a movie by yourself but i do have to agree sometimes staying home is the goat i am a person who enjoys my personal space i pay money for rent this is the my home even though you know it's not a home it's an apartment but it's still my home it's where i live it's where all my shit is and i enjoy it um, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Now, sometimes do I enjoy it a little bit too much? And I'd be like, ew, the world gross. Maybe, maybe, but that's my cross to bear. All right. I'm, I'm doing the best that I can. Um, what do you think about this one, ma'am? Uh, I am that person. I'm, I'm <laughs> I kind of, I get kind of what he's saying. I, I think in my 20s and my 30s, there was always the, oh, my God, I got to go out. Oh, my God, if I don't go out, what the fuck did I even do this weekend? Mm-hmm. I had a lot of that in my 20s and my 30s, uh, especially like the earlier part of my 30s. Um, and now I kind of I last Saturday I went out uh, a couple of my and, and, and I'm using go out very very loosely uh um a couple you of left my, the house <laughs> i left the house on a saturday after seven thirty. that's going out for me yes and i agree by that anything after seven thirty is going out and uh my uh a couple of my friends here in pittsburgh um ed bailey and day bracy who uh they have a, a an awesome podcast uh drinking partners uh hey guys um they uh host comedy on on 
various weekends, different Saturday nights, whatever. They're always into something. And they had something right in downtown Pittsburgh. So I think it started at like 8.30 or so. Um, and I sat in a seat the entire time. And then afterward, uh, a bunch of us went out for tacos, where I, again, sat in the seat the, the entire time. And I spent the entirety of Sunday recuperating from <laughs> Sitting in a place outside of my home for more than two hours. <laughs> I remember you talking about this on uh, Good and Terrible, yeah, the and last I had, episode. Yeah, yeah. I had a good time. I had a really good time. Uh, and that's not even, I ain't even dance. I didn't, I didn't whip. I didn't nay-nay. I don't even, do the children fucking do that anymore? I don't even know. That's no. how I like, go out. And, um, but yeah, so I do get that. I do get enjoying being home. Uh, a little more. I kind of a, a couple weekends before I finished two books, or I, I finished one book and got started on another one in a relatively quick period of time, and got and I was like, "This is lit! This is like <laughs> very excited." About, yes, <laughs> about, I mean, yeah, you know, you got to find your happy, and yeah. sometimes you have to be able to come come to yourself and say you know what my happy is not always it can be sometimes but it's not always in going out especially the older that you get and i think with him a lot of a lot of um this goes back to the whole being okay with being alone or being single or whatever you know thing i like my own company Mm, indeed i'm not antisocial because i do enjoy being with other people but i like my own company i like quiet time in my house when my kids are gone and I can watch television, watch what I want, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, just chill. Just chill. Yeah. Okay. So then he says, I get more attention from other guys now than I did at 38, 28, or 18. Um, I read through what he said here and I was not, I'm, I wasn't sure about what he was saying but basically he was saying he's not sure if it's because of his maturity or in spite of it or if it's just a confidence boost the older that he's gotten it is a good ego boost which duh um and he was saying that he's now old enough to know that he could be any age as long as he has his shit together basically he being a potential partner um my first thought on that was, you know, you're getting more attention now that you're 48 and this could just be, maybe I was being, I was in a shady mood when I read this, but my first thought was maybe you're just, they're into you because you're at like sugar daddy age, you know? And I was just like, you know, you need to watch out for Joseph the scanner because, um, you might be looking like a lick out here. Mm -hmm. So be careful. Uh, and I also was like, you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't think he made any. He had any qualms about saying in the in the article that, you know, he's sleeping with people at any age. Um, But he he was he mentioned the quote unquote 20 somethings a couple of times. So I, I something in me made me think that maybe that's kind of like his sweet spot. Like, yeah, I'm 48, but I like the 20 somethings. Um. I don't know. And I get the ego boost thing, but the way it came off was just like, you know, I'm patting myself on the back. Like, haha, I'm 48. And, you know, I have 20 somethings interested in me. And it's like, okay, I get it. 
I don't know if I necessarily agree with this being a reason why a particular decade would be the best of your life yet, but I get what he was saying. If that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe I'm, 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 I'm thinking of, like, I'm putting myself in that position. And when I get to that age, you know, heaven forbid, I'm heaven forbid. What am I saying? Help Jesus. <laughs> if I get to that age, then I don't think that, I personally would want whether or not I was getting a lot of attention from men to be a defining factor of whether or not that was a good time in my life. Mm-hmm. I understand the sentiment. So don't come for me if you feel like, well, you know, my bussy pops severely and yours doesn't. So that's why you're mad. I don't care what your bussy does or whatever you have. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying for me, I don't put as much stock in that. And I don't see myself doing so, you know, 15 years from now when I'm in my late 40s, almost about to be 50. Yeah. That was just my thought on that. I think that's what's desirable to him. Right. Like, I feel like that's and maybe like when he was that age, I'm what I got from that personally was that when he was in that age group where he was in like the the 28s and he was interested in those type of men maybe those types of men were not interested in him. So this mm-hmm. is, a very, I think this is a very specific type that he was probably like, now I got it. Now I got it like that. And I'm getting the kind of men that I wanted 15, 20 years ago. Right. Which, what do I always say? Good luck, everybody. If you like yeah. it, I love it. Um. So he moves on to say, I've made peace with my changing face and diminishing returns in the gym. So he says that he's living a healthy life. He's not obsessing over calories because obsessing is stressful and stress is a top agent of aging. And I agreed with that because a lot of times people out here are stressed and they don't realize that they're stressed. They don't know the signs. They don't know the markers. And that's why some of y'all are only 25 and y'all looking like hags because you are you got stuff that you're stressed about and People, I think a lot of times people do, they have certain categories of what they think is supposed to be stressful and mm-hmm. other things may be stressing them out and they don't realize it. I've, I saw this a lot when I was younger, you know, some people like going out every weekend, being able, because that takes money. It takes a lot of effort to be able to go out every weekend and people were stressing themselves out trying to do it. And that shit ages you. It does. Stress ages you. It doesn't matter what you do it now. It doesn't matter how much water your ass is drinking. You still will be out here looking a mess if you're stressed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was all I had to say about that. You know, you, you, I think people need to be more mindful of what could be in their life that's potentially stressing them out, especially the 20 somethings, because. A lot of times y'all's friend, quote unquote, let me use quotes, air quotes. Sometimes your friends, when you're in your 20s, are stressing you the fuck out and you're not realizing it. Yeah. I feel like when I started this podcast and just talking to, you know, some uh, guys that are my age, maybe a little younger, a little older. And it seems like everybody has stories about when they were in their 20s and doing all this stuff, trying to go out every weekend and. You know, they had people living with them, two, three, four gays in a two bedroom apartment and just a lot. I mean, just and I'm, you know, 
and you at an, a later age and you can immediately say that shit was stressful as fuck. But at the time you don't realize it. So what I'm just saying is, you know, we have to be a little bit more mindful of the things that we're doing, the people that are around us and the situations that we're in and whether or not they are stressing us because stress is not limited to just your finances or your job or your family or your significant other, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Sometimes stress is sitting there looking you right in the face every day and you smiling at it and don't even realize it. And I like a, a toxic circle. Oh, um, you put it into word that's a more eloquent way of saying what i was saying (laughs) kudos to you turn you into a toxic person you know i look at or or i won't say turn you into because nobody can do anything to you without you know nobody can change you without your permission it can aid to it it aids it it you make that your normal when you are in a toxic circle you allow toxicity to be your normal and that tears at you it tears at your conversation it tears at you know your expressions it tears at everything and and the wisdom with age where you like once once you get older you either decide i'm a messy bitch that lives for drama because we know older people who are still very messy and toxic mm-hmm. i don't want to leave that as an age thing and i don't want any any of the younger listeners to think that you know that this is that I'm, you know, that I'm against them with that because I'm not. Um, some of the most toxic people I know have been people who are far beyond the age where they're old enough to know better. Mm. You know, so oh, I know, you know, I know. So it's 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 a matter of, um, you know, removing those stressors, whether it's you know obsessing over looks, relationships. Um, jobs that maybe you need to leave jobs can be toxic we need jobs so we all have to eat you know but sometimes your job can be killing you sometimes on you i was um case in point with myself i was 24 when i left my marriage i was 24 years old and i actually at 24 looked older than i look now at 40 um and it was because my life was weighing on me. I was losing my hair. My face was like sallow and sunken and, and, and I was hella fat and I'm fat now. But I was hella fat and I was I was, you know, it was but it was just manifesting in my body, manifesting mm-hmm. in my looks. So that happens even more so when you're an older person and so you just learn to let that shit go. It's okay. Last thing, and then we'll move on. It's so funny when you brought up the toxic uh, circle, the community, and everything, and the way you described it immediately made me think of uh, Voldemort mm-hmm. and creating them Horcruxes. I don't know why that popped into my head, but I was like, that's exactly what that's what we do when we're young and we're gay. You like 25 trying to be out here living your life and you got all these people around you. You don't put so much into them. That's your horcrux and they out here fucking shit up. Y'all out here creating the guineas and you don't even know it. Yeah. Okay, so he moves on to say. I'm sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, no, no, no. I was just saying it happens. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, then he says, uh, I have friendships that have stood the test of decades and distance and has older friends that keeps him grounded. All I had to say with that was amen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
never underestimate the power like mel was saying the power of a good circle around you good people around you people that uplift you people that support you that's why you hear me talk about my friends so much on this show the ones that support me and tell me that they're proud of me and and of for this show and the other things that i'm doing and you know when i was going through unemployment and just whatever i have going on in my life those people that are there to uplift me without me having to ask sometimes without me even realizing that they're doing it until after the fact um so yeah i agree get you some good people around you and hold on to them Mm -hmm. um i have friends who have lasted one of my oldest friends we have been friends for 35 years um I have another friend. We've been friends since I was 11. So that's what, 29 years. And and I have a, a, a few other people like that where we're still, and it's not just like, call, you know, like I just call you my friend. This is like, these are the people, my ups, my downs, my bitch you trippings. These are the people who have, who still, we restore each other. Mm-hmm. I, just say they restore me we restore each other one of them when the movie girls trip came out we when i was 30 we went on a trip to uh, mexico and she was she saw a character and she was like bitch this was you the whole cruise (laughs) and 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 so and and those are the people and that conversation probably sustained me and restored both of us really for like a good two weeks we were still laughing about that conversation two weeks later it's important it's important to have those people who know you because we especially in social media we can get on and we could bullshit people into thinking we're whatever i could get up i could get on here and i could you know i can get on the mic and 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 enough people follow me who you know i could tell these people whatever they can't they don't really most of them don't know me you know don't know 1987 mel and 1995 mel to say oh that's bullshit but there are people in my circle who still follow what I do, who do know that. And that those are the people that I value because you need the folks who can call y'all on your bullshit. Hello. I just agree. He actually and had a good point. And you need to grow with them. It's not just having because that sounds, ser- you know, self-serving. Oh, you need to call me on my bullshit. And, you, you know, but it's also keeping, you know, keeping tabs with them, keeping up with them and yeah. and watching them grow and be able to celebrate like mm-hmm. we're changed. Like just like I'm changing and growing, my friends are changing and growing too. And mm-hmm. I get to witness that. I get to witness the person who, you know, we didn't even get along 25, 30 years ago, you know, grow into this person who I could not imagine my life without. That's a blessing. It is. And sometimes you have to be that person calling people on their bullshit. That's sometimes mm-hmm. that's a lot of times that's me. Or people are like, okay, let me tell you about this. And you just let me know. Hey, I had someone, uh, shout out to, uh, pink. I'm not sure what she goes by on Twitter these days. Uh, maybe La Fupa Copper or something like that. Yes, I love her. She called me, uh, this, this past week. And she was like, let me just run this. Let me kick this to you. And you just tell me if I'm tripping. And, you know, sometimes you are that person with people and you grow with them. And some, and sometimes they're that person for you. And it's important to make sure that the friendships that you have, these, no matter how long you've been friends, but especially if they're older, that it's a mutually beneficial friendship. I'm not saying it has to be tit for tat because that's petty and that is not a good pillar for a friendship. But what I am saying is if you are in a situation with someone and you're calling each other friend, 
then it needs to be you need to be getting something out of it, whether it's emotional support, if it's just somebody to make you laugh when you're feeling like shit. If it's somebody that will call you and be like, bitch, did you take your motherfucking medicine? Don't make me come up beside your head. Whatever the case may be, you know, just make sure that you're getting something out of those friendships and you're not just hanging on to people for the sake of hanging on. You know, I for the past year and a half, I've been doing that exercise with really trying to categorize the people in my life so that I would know who that I could who I could count on and who could count on me. And that was something that I had to keep asking myself, what am I getting out of the am I getting anything out of this? Am I giving anything to it? You know, not to be selfish. Am I giving anything to it? Am I nurturing this friendship? And is this someone that I can see myself growing with? Like you said, are we going to grow? Am I going to be able to grow or celebrate with them? Are they going to be able to celebrate with me? So I think we said it before, but we'll say it again is be mindful of the circle that you keep. Yeah. And it's not for outside appearances. It's for your internal well-being. Uh, so he moves on to say decades of rejection have taught me to back off gracefully. To paraphrase what he wrote, he said life is too short to waste time constantly checking your phone for calls that never come or for repeatedly texting someone that never responds. He said he's old enough to know that when one hot guy fails to live up to expectations, There'll be there'll probably be another one along in minutes. Uh, actually, I'm going to let you get your thoughts off on this one first, Mel. So I'm going to defer to the Gucci man who <laughs> said girls are like buses. Miss one next 15 one coming. I mean, I, <laughs> it's, it's, it's I mean, true. It's true. It's true. Especially um, with gays. Girls, boys, whatever. Girls, girls, boys, boys, girls, boys. We do adore. Right. We. Take what he's saying is accept the curve, accept the curve. If mm-hmm. it's not working out, I promise. Whenever something is not working out for me, I remember um, Audrey Lord too when she talks about. Um, it's like one of my favorite poems, a litany, a litany for survival. Mm-hmm. And she says, when we are, when we're loved, we're afraid love is going to go away, and when we're not loved, we're afraid love will never return. Those aren't the exact words, but it's close enough. <laughs> and and. And it's 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 true. Like we just kind of are so. Is this gonna work? Is it? It might not. And guess what? You are not gonna die from it. Nope. So keep it moving. Like take the curve and keep it moving. And 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 keep it moving. Like with your, with as much of your self respect as you can retain intact. Let it go. Yeah. I promise you're wonderful and beautiful. And just like whatever. Just because you feel that that's the only person who saw you for the wonderful, beautiful, vibrant person you were. No, you are that person. So someone else is going to see that too. So keep it moving. Indeed. Uh, I I have three thoughts on this. Um, the first one, I agree. Uh, don't waste your time, you know, double testing. It's not worth it. You're stressing. And you know what he said about stressing, stressing, what have you out here looking like an Olsen twin. <laughs> The second thought that I had. Oh, my God. I felt that in my chest. Jesus Christ. The second thought that I had was I noticed that there's a lot of emphasis on air quotes, hot guys in the article. And I just need you to get that together. I mean, I get it. If that's what you like, that's what you like. But the way that you're 
intertwining it in or the way he's intertwining it in the article it kind of deadens some of his points because yeah. it's just like okay you got this amazing point but then you kind of i don't know you kind of go left when it's like then you focus on the looks oh well this high guy don't want me there's another one coming along it's like girl what um you're too old to be fixating on that dumb shit too old to be i don't even remember my third point now because whatever okay moving right along uh we have about three or four more so let's see if we can hurry up and get through these so we can get to the good stuff all right he said i remember when face to face was still in so social media is a luxury not a necessity Basically, he's saying the age old comment that social media and technology has made it so that people don't know how to communicate or how to date, blah, 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 blah. I read this and it was very, uh, it was very get off my lawn, you mangy kids to me. Yeah. Uh, and from the gay side, I'm thinking to myself, as many articles as we see about gays dating, I'm like, when was dating ever really quote unquote in? You know, the way men talk about it, you think that gays have never been about dating or love. So I'm just I found it curious that he was talking about it here. And from some of these other points, it don't really sound like you trying to date nobody, to be quite honest, unless they are hot. So. uh, That was all I had, Mel. Yeah, I think I think the, I think the whole hot thing keeps losing me, too. And it's yeah. very relative. And I'm I'm curious as what. Hot is relative, so it kind of makes me wonder what hot means to him. It just, it seems like it just keeps coming back to, like you said before, now he has access to more guys that he deems are hot, and that is what is really leading to him having his best decade ever. Yeah, which... And, hey, if that's what you want to base that on, then have at it, girl, but that that's not really my ministry. Yeah. He moves on to say, I'm of the age where safe sex has always been a part of my life, which has kept me alive. He said he's lived through the days when a being HIV positive felt like a death sentence. And now he has a healthy respect for life and safe sex. Um, two things really quick. Number one, wrap it up, kids and oldies. Know your status. Take your meds. Number two, I don't know how this applies to what he's supposed to be talking about in the article i i don't i don't get um i kind of that kind of lost me too (laughs) okay just making sure it wasn't just me i I just kind of i felt like maybe that was one of those things that i missed out on because i'm not a gay man but that little tidbit lost me kind of I don't know. The best I could do was that he's saying that it's not a chore for him to have gay sex. I mean, gay sex. Duh, we know that. It's not a chore for him to have safe sex. Yeah. But I still don't get the correlation. Anyway, I was just like, is like they were like in the eighties. It was all like, or the 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 late seventies, early eighties, whatever. It was you know just the drugged up good time with with unsafe sex. So you know, yeah, that happened and. There were a lot of people, a lot of prominent people who we lost to to the virus. So there was that. And I guess he's also saying that the millennials are a little more loosey-goosey with the condoms because of prep. And he's happy that he uses condoms. But I still kind of 
it was a little lost to me but i'm not a gay man so well i am a gay man and it was lost to me too and i was just like okay sis whatever you say um and the next one is going to be more of the same his ninth point was that he has lived through roots dynasty and the golden girls and he had you know video clips of each uh, from each show in the article i don't i don't know what this is supposed to be hinting at i'm i just i guess congratulations that you were alive when these shows aired for the first time i don't know when i read that part it sounded a little baby boomerish to me like i lived through this and y'all angle y'all could never you young millennials don't know shit about shit and i was just like what are you even saying right here sir I think that was just more, I kind of get the sense for that, that was more pop cultural than gay specific. And he got to see those things like first run. That's all I, that's all I got. From I that. get that. But again, even, I'm thinking, even, how does that, how does that add to your 40th year and beyond? How is that making it the best decade because you lived through these things? He didn't really he didn't really write anything on this. He just said, I've lived through it as yeah. if it was supposed to be so obvious. And, you know, I was sitting here scratching my head like, I mean, OK. Yeah, I, I feel I like guess. an editor should have told him that could go. <laughs> All right. And well, then you'll probably say the same thing about the last thing. Because the last thing he says, I may have missed out on Judy Garland, but my lifetime encompasses a complete and balanced menu of gay icons. He said he remembers a time when Barbara Streisand was a movie star, when Madonna was Lady Gaga, and when Janet Jackson was Beyonce. Those were the days. So again, I'm confused about how this is contributing to your current age being your best decade i don't know what you're talking about also barbara streisand is still a movie star madonna is a problematic dummy mummy zombie hybrid janet is still janet and you keep beyonce's name out of your dick hoarding mouth (laughs) that's really all i had on that one oh my god dick hoarding though you read the article. Am I wrong? Point out the lie. A horde of dick. Jesus, Horatio Christ. Yeah, so, I didn't. I didn't quite get what that added to his current decade. Other than I saw those people, but that's more the past than the present, right? So I just, I just feel like his editor said whatever the fuck, dude. Like that's his, some of like his, some of the points. His editor was like, "We need another LGBT." peace you got okay give us what you got give us what you got yeah let's just run it like, um or, or or they argued about keeping that stuff in because that's i hate the fact that i read things with that lens now like mm, his editor probably told him to take this out and they got in a fight i <laughs> i was thinking this i was thinking the exact same thing or i was like maybe the editor was hot and he boinked them and got it through because obviously you yeah. know hot guys are his thing um yeah. So overall, I give this article a C. I I don't think it really conveyed what he was trying to say. He really fell off on a lot of the points. Um. So yeah, I had to give it a C because most of the half, a good half of it, I was like, 
sis, what are you talking about? Uh, what about you, Mel? I give it. I won't ding him as much for um, the HIV comment, but I, I still feel like that should have been like fleshed out better. Because I, I think, because I could see where he could have gone with it, but but it's kind of like a. I'd say it's like a C plus. C, C plus, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. just he started. He kind of some of it, and I don't like. I don't know what roots had to do. Like roots. What did the of, roots have to do with it? What did Dynasty Gold? I mean, the Golden Girls are still epic, so I don't even know what you were saying, sir. If you were saying the Golden Girls is still epic, and I watch it on TV Land, then I would have been like, yes, give me a high five. Yeah. But the way he said, I lived through it. And it was like, okay, congratulations on being alive. Then, like, what? That part should have been fleshed out. I agree. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Let's let's shift gears. So usually I end the show with uh, the queer query, and I ask my guests some questions. But this time, we are going to do something new. We're going to do a new segment. It's called Geeks and Glitter. It's a new monthly geek geeky nerdy segment uh sometimes it'll, i'm gonna try to have it have more of a queer twist but it may just be sometimes that i talk about stuff that i like that's dope um i'll feature tv shows new and old comic books uh movies video games experiences festivals and cons if i ever get in get to any and whatever else i come across or whatever that is uh suggested to me that's geeky so this segment was also it was inspired by carefully if I could speak that would be great it's inspired by carefree black nerd who I can't wait to collaborate with soon and you Mel so I thought that it was only right that I have you on the show to help me kick off the first iteration of the Geeks and Glitter segment I'm running around in my mind. I'm very good. Thank you. I'm like I'm 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 really glad um that you're having me on this because I feel like there's so much when you look into geek culture there is a lot you know LGBT issues, ideas, imagery is so present there. Like it's mm-hmm. so present and yet not addressed and the audiences are not really addressed or paid attention to, or you know, we don't get we don't get nearly enough queer voices. Agreed. You know, in in things like that, um, unless it's in a very specific, like we'll get it in Buffy because Buffy had a lot. You know, Buffy had you know actual. Lesbians, like, iconic in the in the LGBT community, mm-hmm. uh, or, or among certain circles. So there's like, but we don't have a lot of Buffy's. It's like Buffy, and then okay, and you know there like, are other... like okay, Iceman is gay now, so we have yeah. that. Um, there was a uh, I don't know if you watched um, a oh, Teen Wolf that was on MTV that was yes. actually a really good show. But Teen Wolf, you know, there were there were gay characters there. So I feel like the yeah. newer shows are really adjusting when we think about diversity. It's not just, hey, here's a black character, here's a this, here's a that. But these more uh, multifaceted characters that are not just straight and white. 
And yes. I'm thankful for that. Yes. So this uh, iteration of the segment, we're going to be talking about Batman, the killing joke. Now, this I, is a I, comic and a movie. Um, I have I have some thoughts, but I'm 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 curious about your thoughts on this because uh, I don't know if I said it, but Mel is actually the one who suggested this for this segment. So when I read through it and when I watched the movie, I was like, I just I can't wait to see what she has to say about this. Like, I'm so I'm so into it. So, so yeah, go ahead. It really um, I love the killing joke. And when when people start talking about, you know, how they want to talk about geek stuff or they if they if they want to get into comics or whatever, I recommend The Killing Joke mostly because it kind of changed the game for how we view uh, comics and graphic novels. Not that these are the first, not that this is the first uh, kind of dark type graphic novel or comic, because it's not, but this was, this is an iconic, everyone should read comic. And, um, I also like I like it in queer discussions only because we never really discuss the kind of silent homoeroticism that's in in this in the killing joke mm-hmm. itself um just almost I've always felt it and maybe I just have a mind that works that way but I've <laughs> always felt like that tension between um Batman and Joker while you know they're not gay, it's still there was still something intimate in their tension in their in their um in their battles mm-hmm. so it's probably my favorite, and the first time I read it, I was high as shit, so when I got to the end, I was cackling laughing I was like I was cackling like the damn joker because it took me a minute. Like I read the joke because there was, you know, there's a there's a joke at the end, mm-hmm. and I read it, and then I reread it because at first I was like, wait, what the fuck is he saying? And then I just cried laughing because it was so stupid and ridiculous, and I felt dumb for not catching it the first time. But um, it's an awesome. Yeah, I'm not sure if I caught it the second, third, and fourth time that I read it. I was like, I was like, it, I get it. I was like, but do I really get it? Yeah, it was so it was because it was it was so absurd, you know. It, it for for those of you who've not read, well, I, I'm going to spoil it for those of y'all who have not read. But he said that he was basically um, two guys were escaping, I think, an asylum, and one jumped across and didn't make it, or jumped across and made it. And he told the guy, "Hey, I'm going to flash this light across, and you'll just you can just walk across the light." Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, "Are you kidding? You just gonna turn it off when I'm halfway there, bitch? You can't walk across the goddamn light. Get your ass." <laughs> okay, I wanted to make sure because I was like, "Yeah." After yeah. reading the rest of it, I was like, "I have that problem where sometimes I'm thinking things are deeper than they really are." So I was like, "It can't be that simple. It can't be that simple." It was so funny. It was so funny to me because. It was so funny to me because it was that simple and it was just hilarious to me that I had to go back and, and, and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I like, and, and we can flip flop between the, the movie and the, um, the and the, the book, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. in the comic, the latter half, because the latter half of the, the movie was basically almost frame, was, was basically frame for frame, the comic. Right. Um, and one of the things that, I'm one of those people who does not feel that every movie needs to be a, every book needs to be a movie. And while I enjoyed it thoroughly, I enjoyed the part of um, reading the book where you kind of have because a lot of the people, a lot of people were kind of deciding, okay, did Batman kill the Joker or did the Joker kill Batman? Because mm-hmm. it was kind of like this mystery of who killed who at the end, and with with the movie, it kind of eliminates all doubt because you only hear you know one person laughing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I have a lot of thoughts, but <laughs> I have thoughts. <laughs> um, so first, I I love the art style of the comic. I like that gritty kind of like uh, Sin City esque uh, mm-hmm. comic style. I like the darker theme of it, and it was definitely dark. Cause you know, well, I mean, but it's the Joker. Joker don't be playing. I mean, he be laughing, but his ass don't be playing. Yeah. Um, and I think that the darker tone of the comic. It, it makes it feel a little bit more realistic, which is crazy to say, because when you think about the subject material, you're like, none of this is realistic. But in in visual mode, as far as TV or movies, sometimes it can you know, they they're pandering to that child audience sometimes and it takes away from it. They start doing things and you're just like, OK, you know, comic Batman wouldn't do this. Um, so I appreciate appreciated that. And to prove my point, you know, the movie, I understand that they had to flesh out the movie and they added this long part uh, to give Batgirl a whole backstory, which I didn't really I didn't really understand why they made it Batgirl. Uh, why they made it about her. I so my fir- the first time I watched it, I, I wasn't bothered by the addition for Batgirl. I wasn't bothered. I was like, uh, it's, you know, like a lot of people hated it. And um I didn't hate it. I just was I just was wondering what the like, point of it was. Yeah, on my second view, and and I on my second view, I was just kind of like it gives us the backstory of why attacking her meant something, but it was really removing it, it, it removed uh, the original point of the movie. Right. I mean, a book, because it was not. It what like his 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 need to save her wasn't about Barbara, or his need to to act wasn't about Barbara. It was definitely about Commissioner Gordon, right. and so I think centering her it bothered me. On further watches, like because mm-hmm. more than once, um, yeah. and since her in it, it just kind of irritated me a little bit because it was really a lot of it was you know the one bad day, uh, right? One and bad thing, and he, that was supposed that to took be, away from it because it was a whole series of shit going on with her. I really think I think that it was good in theory, but the execution was yeah. a little. It was heavy handed is really what it was yeah. like if they weren't. So and I mean, even with ending with her and like showing how she became the what is it? What was uh, 
Yeah, the or and it was just like, I mean, did we really, did we really need this? Like, and like it, it made the one bad day about her. It's like, okay, she had the bad day, and and you know, because she was on the on the cusp of being being whatever. And I guess we also needed to see. They also wanted to show how Batman had this this uh, battle with being on the cusp of violence, going to the edge. Like they talked about that. Um, yeah. it, it just. It just made the story, like you said, very heavy-handed um, because it was very the way it was written originally was very subtle as far yes. as that day because you weren't it was like we look at it as him trying to turn Gordon. You know, it wasn't really about Barbara at all. It was him trying to turn Gordon into right. this person, and he had done all of these, these unspeakable things to this man, and he was still like, okay, Buy yeah. The book. Still, we still got to go by the book. Yeah. So and that, I, I think to your point, because that part was so heavy handed and because the second part of the movie was just as subtle as the book, because it was basically frame by frame. Mm-hmm. That was what really made it unbalanced. The movie, yeah. I mean, you know, with that part being so heavy handed and everything else being subtle, it was just like, okay, I'm tired of Barbara. I was just really I was watching and I was like okay so when are we gonna get to the comic because all of this is now I will say for the first part shout out to the gay comic relief the guy that she kept talking to at the library yeah. I mean it was cliche but it was appreciated um another thing that I was watching that and I, you know Maybe I'm being too hard on her, but I was like, it don't really seem like she's a good Batgirl because she was getting her ass kicked and fucking up. And I was just, and Batman was like, bitch, what the fuck? And I started to see the escalation and I was like, okay, here we go. Um, Now I did holler when Batgirl got sprayed. That dude sprayed after she was talking all that shit and she had to go like lock herself in the vault. Yeah. I was laughing because I was like, that's what you get talking all that shit. Um, I, uh, I like I like the fact that she was I, I like the fact that she kind of had to to pay like you know yeah, what I'm saying yeah. like no Cause you're not effect. ready Batman is an asshole but you're not ready right he's an asshole for a reason because this shit is life or death and case in point she let that random sleazeball dude play her like a fiddle because she didn't want to take orders from Batman. And it's like, okay, if we put this up on the big screen and say, which would you choose? Orders from Batman or trying to tackle this dude by yourself who's obviously getting in your head. I'm going to take orders from Batman because Batman has somehow kept himself alive. He's going to keep me alive. I'm not going to be trying to go off on my own and do whatever the fuck with this dude. Um, and so then I ended up with her getting scolded like a child and then I was, and then so then she gonna fight Batman. Now the part that I was not, I was shocked but not surprised on the part where she fucked Batman. It was predictable, but at the same time, I was just like, again, the the writing was off from what I was expecting to come from the comic because it's so uncharacteristic of Batman to sleep with his partner. So I was just like. Well, there's a storyline where they are involved. There's a storyline where they are involved, but that still seemed forced. Like you said, it was uncharacteristic. It didn't fit. It, yeah, it didn't fit this narrative because there's clearly a, a significant age gap, which there should yeah. be. Um, 
and I just I don't know I, I saw her I was like I know she's gonna kiss him because she's trying to fight him I just didn't expect him to go through with it yeah it was- um but you know she she tore that costume off real quick and I loved the next scene because she was just like well let me say this I was wondering why he went through with it and my first thought was that it was a pity fuck because of everything she was already going through mm-hmm. and that just seems like I mean that's an ash holish thing ash thing to do and that just seems like something that Batman is about yeah um but then the next scene where she was like Barbara Kathleen Gordon what the hell have you done and I yelled at the TV got some dick <laughs> Because that's what you did. You need a boyfriend, girl. You need a boyfriend. She got her some dick. But, you know, the whole... And they really played the age dynamic because she acted like she was 19. I don't know how old she was supposed to be, but she was acting like she was 19. I was um, glad when they... Um, I was... First first watch, I was like, okay, they wanted to give us... The way I looked at it is they wanted to give us more than what we had just seen in the in the book because they needed some time to fill because you know the book you know that segment is not particularly long you probably got like about what 20 minutes of of whatever mm-hmm. so i'm guessing they wanted to expand it so that's part of the reason i'm i'm banking on the the character deviations and i can guarantee you alan moore uh the original creator he had nothing to do with that he hates he hates when his shit gets gets you know because he he was also involved with Watchmen Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Watchmen and he was furious when that was made into a movie so that's not even like that's not Alan Moore's jam so he had nothing to do with the writing of that first part and that's probably and it shows (laughs) yeah that's why the huge deviation from from what it would be um what I liked about what I liked about uh Batman, what I liked about the Killing Joke, which they also did in the in, in Watchmen, which made it, which I did not like because I felt like Watchmen did not need to be a movie. They did the same thing where Alan Moore hated the idea of it being a movie, but they were remarkably true to those frames, like mm-hmm. frame by frame. Like they, the the book is the movie. Um, there were like a few deviations from Watchmen, but um, the you know what you read was what what they put in the in the, on the screen, and so I like that part because where Watchmen droned, the Killing Joke really translated well. It really shone. It did. It really, outside of the part where you you know the mystery of who killed whom is solved, or, or or you know from from a certain point or that's their answer. Outside of that, um, it was just. The way they like when he was on the little um the little roller coaster thing or whatever you want to call it, going through the tunnel. Yeah, like were, yeah. It's remarkable. The scene that was so chilling to me, it was chilling when I read it and it was chilling when I saw it when she opened the door and the in the Joker's eyes when, when Yes. He, Listen, but, his eyes that was probably one of the most menacing renderings of the Joker I've ever seen. It was perfect. It was it was his skin and his eyes, and then he had that old "Let's go to Florida" retiree ass shirt on, mm. and I was just like, "Man!" Now, however, flip the script. I I had a 
a moment where I hollered at that screen and maybe I'm a bad person. After she got shot and she flew across the room. <laughs> she fell through that table. <laughs> yeah. She fell through that table and I immediately thought of the scene from the movie Smoking Aces when the hooker was trying to put on her shoe and she <laughs> fell through that glass table. When I tell you, because I, I saw Smoking Aces in the theater. When I tell you I was laughing for 15 minutes, I almost got into a fight because somebody was like you need to be quiet and i was like i'll be i'll beat your ass in here but i was laughing when i said it so because that was just the i don't know why that was so funny to me so when she fell through that table i hollered they did a good job in that shot too i mean like the way the way they uh that was framed in uh, whatever slow motion or whatever Mm -hmm. and even like afterward usually it's just like after people get shot on television you don't usually hear a lot of noise there's just not they just kind of lay there or Mm -hmm. their cameras off them so it doesn't matter or you know whatever and and she was like twitching and fucked up and she was she was just moaning and and she was i mean obviously she was going through it yeah there was an attention to detail there that i appreciated Mm -hmm. um really well done and uh back to the joker though uh, because this is the part where you know once we've gotten into the comic and then they start flip flopping and we start getting those flashbacks, I was like, man, shout out to the writing because they had the Joker out here pre Joker. I don't whatever his name was before he became the Joker. He was for all intent and purposes a talentless fuck boy with no job. His wife loved him anyway because the dick was good and she told you that the dick was good and. We knew that the dick had to be good because pre Joker's face was longer than an eight hour shift at a call center. Yeah. <laughs> and his wife was in there. She was like, I love you. I got this baby in me. We gonna make it. I don't care if you don't have a job. That's how you know the dick is good. If a woman comes out of her, not even a woman, if someone comes out of their mouth and tells you, I love you, even though you don't have a job, you know, you are putting something down. You putting the dick down. You putting the chicken on the, in the, in the grease good. You're doing something well. But in this instance, we know that it was specifically le penis. <laughs> And I was just like the way, but the way that they conveyed it in a comic booky way. But I was like, this, it's a fuck boy. Yeah. Um. And then to move on to Commissioner Gordon because that was the focus it was you know trying to break Commissioner Gordon, and I got it. You know, the Joker was like, I want to take someone that's good and whole, and I want to break them, have them have one bad day like I did, and break them and show Batman with his stupid ass that this you know it could happen to anybody. First of all, Joker, I was like, I don't appreciate you having Commissioner Gordon out here with his kibbles and bits on display. Right? Like he, why did he have to be naked like this? And then I thought about it when I watched the part. On the roller coaster, and in the roller coaster, and the, and the Joker had the pictures that he take he, that he had taken of Barbara after he shot her, and like mm-hmm. disrobed her, like he took he had a butt ass naked, and was taking pictures of her. I thought, and maybe it was a mixture because of all the stuff that I've been watching, Game of Thrones and everything. But I wondered if there was another layer to that, and the Joker did that. He specifically had Commissioner Gordon naked. To further traumatize him. Like you're already naked and traumatized. And I'm going to show you pictures of your naked daughter. While you're naked. Yeah that's entirely possible. 
it may not be that deep, but I don't, it was just something about it that I, I was, cause I was trying to understand. I was like, why does he have him naked? I mean, other than to hum- humiliate him, but you can, I mean, it's the Joker, you know, he can humiliate people in, in a, a thousand different ways, but it no, was something no. about the speci- the specificity, ugh, I can't even speak of what he did to Barbara and the state of Commissioner Gordon when he showed him mm-hmm. what he had done to Barbara. That made me think that. I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I was that was that was my big mouth. Um I just was thinking that those those seats are not sanitary. Like that's that's disgusting. Like there are other things you could have done. Well, I mean, we know that, that none of that was sanitary because it had been abandoned. So Commissioner Gordon, go get that go get that monkey check because mm. <laughs> That was another when he was uh, renting the when he was buying the um the fair amusement park whatever that was another very creepy scene. It was introducing himself to the guy and the and the guy you know and then you look and he's got. I mean, you know, your business dealings with the Joker are not going to go well. Yeah, I was just waiting for it. I was I was waiting for the punch yeah. or for the for the punchline to drop because. The guy started talking about money, and I was like, you know, there's no way you think that this man has money to pay for this amusement park. Um, so yeah, I wonder, I, I wonder what happened to him because he was still there when when all that happened, and he was still he was there dead. when the Batman. Oh, was he dead? He was like, he was dead. yeah, that okay. Was, he gave him whatever Joker gas, and he was like, when we saw him smiling, that wasn't the happy fun. Ha ha ha! I'm just laughing. Like that wasn't. What's the show Batman Adventures? Uh, Joker gas where you get an antidote. He was dead. Okay, he was rigid. That's what I guess that was what threw me off that he was what could have died, but he didn't fall off that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was still there, looking creepy as fuck. So um, the idea, though, of the one bad day is all it takes for a criminal or for someone to go insane or a criminal. It was very interesting. And it really struck me because, you know, I'm new to this. I just read it. But thinking about the current situation of the country and the world and, you know, the year of our Lord 2017 and everything that's going going on. It really struck me of how this could be true that all it ta- I mean, and I, you know, I don't even want to I don't want to go that down that veining. I was about to take a very dark turn. However, you know, my first thought was that this really only applies to white people because there's a level of humanity that is inherently built into the idea of you having a bad day and now you've done all this thing, all this stuff and people want to find out why did you do it and what happened to you? And yeah, he had a bad day. His wife and his kid, uh, his pregnant, let me rephrase his pregnant wife died. Um, so he had, you know, had a, a terrible day, but then I thought about how people of that are not white are not afforded that same luxury. They're not afforded that he was always this. And then something happened and changed, or we don't know what happened. He always used to be like that because everything, everybody else is painted as bad or insane or criminal from the beginning. And then something happens and they say, this is a justification of what happened to you because we already knew you were bad versus white people. And in this case, pre Joker, again, I don't know what is, I don't remember what is, I don't know if they even said what his name was. Um, I don't remember if they did. I feel like they did and I can't remember it. 
I can't remember either. But I just thought that that was very, very interesting. And that was what really gripped me about this story. Because that was the part that was so relatable. Because you automatically, you start thinking about all the bad days that you've had. And you think, am I a joker? Like, am I potentially a joker? And it's going to be one day I have a bad day and all hell's going to break loose. Or am I Commissioner Gordon where I have a bad day, but I grit my teeth and I keep moving. And you start thinking back to bad days that you've had. And, you know, what happened? What were your actions? So I thought that that was really like presenting that coin and really trying to get you to 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 see what side of the coin do you fit on and then the other part about it that was you know you know there's there's you know joker and commissioner gordon and so like we you know we talked about that but then we have to also examine the fact that batman fell on the joker side of things yeah because he killed the shit out of joker he did. He killed him, and he was laughing while he did it. But so, this is in the in the comic, just to to that, make that clarification. In the movie, it was clear that he did not. But in the comic, yeah, he killed him. He killed him, and he died. Yeah. And to to back to your point about the subtle homoeroticism, I don't know if I would agree that it was homoeroticism, but what I will say is that it was really a window and a picture of a vulnerable Batman that you don't often see because when he went to the jail and was like, I mean, he, I mean, it was, I thought I was watching Dawson's Creek for a minute because he he was in his feelings. Yeah. He was in his fifis and he was really just like, I don't know what's going to happen. It don't have to be this way. Let me help you. You know, which one of us is going to kill the other. And I was just like, "Mm, Batman, he, he has feelings. So it's just like, oh, I'm not used to this. Yeah, I don't think it's right for me to say homoeroticism. I, 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 I agree. With I don't think it's it's that. I just think there is a, a sort of intimacy in yeah. their their particular adversarial relationship. Definitely. And to like, but like I said, to see that veil come down and him be very, very vulnerable. I mean, and what and had to go out of his way to do it. You know, he had to go to Commissioner Gordon and say, hey, I need to see him, quote unquote, and go there and to be able to, and to and to have the fortitude to present himself to the Joker that way. That takes some balls because the Joker is fucking nuts. <laughs> and he's one of those people that it's like you don't want them to catch you slipping. And vulnerability a lot of times is called is, is seen as a weakness. And it could have been a moment where he, you know got the jump on Batman and maybe or maybe he wouldn't have got the jump on him but maybe Batman would have let him because he was in that feeling trying to figure out what's going to happen between us right um my last thoughts on that uh there were some changes in the fight scene between the Batman and Joker from the comic and the movie I didn't think that that was necessary um and one other thing that really stuck out to me I don't know if you caught this a difference between the movie and the comic after Barbara got shot and she was in the hospital and Batman went to see her and in the movie, he was like, you know, it's Batman. I'm here, whatever he said. And in the comic, she referred to him as Bruce. Mm-hmm. And I, I was wondering why they made that change. And I was wondering if that was kind of a, an old back to earlier in the movie, because, you know, they had smashed and then, you know, Batman played it to the left and didn't want to answer his phone and shit. Uh, 
so they were trying to rebuild that divide between them of clearly this is a Batman and whatever well not Batgirl now but this is a Batman and Barbara relationship versus this is an intimate relationship between Bruce and Barbara I didn't even think of that listen because when I saw that I was like "Mm." I had to I listen, I had to get my iPad and scroll back through the comic to make sure that what I saw was right. So, you know, little subtle changes, you know, sometimes I see it, sometimes I don't, but I saw that one. Um but again, I loved it. Um I definitely would recommend the comic, the movie, eh, you know, I mean, if you can suffer through the kind of the pandering to the more child audience in the beginning. Yeah. Seeing the actual killing joke panels in movie form were were awesome although i like the i like the graphic style of the comic better Mm -hmm. um and my last thing is shout out to mark hamill his joker voice is outstanding whenever people talk about who's the best joker who's the best joker who's the best joker it's mark hamill and hands down it's not even a debate it's not even close it's mark hamill and it's not even close and if you know if if it, it, it's it's just amazing what he does. Um, how he's just inextricably linked, and they've tried other voices. It, no, it's just uh, not the same. That magic, same. that magic that he has. Because I mean, I was just when I was I was. It was something to be said about Joker's words from the comic being brought to life by Mark's voice. That just I was here for it. Like if I could just trim the movie to just that part that's just actual is the actual comic then of course it would only be like 20 minutes but hey what can you do um fact for those of you who don't know a fun little nerd fact also he is not only the joker but for my folks who like um avatar the last airbender he was the voice of fire lord ozai yes i forgot about that Oh, Airbender was so good. I have to. Talk, I'm gonna talk about that in one of the segments. There's so much good geek shit to talk about, and there's so much stuff that I have not even seen. Like, I will be honest. Another reason for this segment is just an excuse for me, or maybe a kick in the butt to get back into the geeky stuff because I kind of fell off. You know, haven't been keeping up with comics and TV shows and all that stuff. So now I'm like, oh, now I have a real reason to do it. Um. But yeah, The Killing Joke. Get into it, you guys. Tweet us and let us know if you've read it or if you plan on reading it. Let us know what you think. And I think we'll wrap up the show. We're, oh, Lord, we are almost at two hours. <laughs> yeah. My fault. No, it was a good, it was good, though. It was a great conversation. I had fun. Shout out to everybody. I have fun. <laughs> Sorry, I've been listening to the friend zone. Shout out to you. Thank you. So uh, we're going to wrap up the show. So Mel, tell people where they can find you one more time. Again, you can find me. Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat at beauty underscore Jackson. Please say the underscore. You can find me at um, my blog, ribbingdreams.com. And, and, and you can find me at the good and terrible show.com with a new podcast every Friday with the fantastic, fantabulous, wonderful, splendiferous I'm Just Siege. Hi, Siege. Hey, girl. 
you guys uh this wraps up another show thank you so much for listening you guys again share this podcast with someone uh another shout out to all of my geeky gays out there shout out to carefree black nerd um looking forward to seeing what you're doing uh i want to say i apologize in advance for next week's episode um, you'll know what I mean when you guys hear it and my guest. Uh, it was an episode that we recorded a couple of weeks ago uh, and I just didn't know where to fit it in. But yeah, it's 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 something. Um, and with that, you guys make sure that you are protecting your walls or they will crumble. Don't be out here in your 40s talking about all the hot guys have some more substance to you. No, let me not say that. I mean, if if that's your thing, that's your thing. If that's your jam, that's your jam. And with that, we're out. Bye, guys. Bye.